Welcome to my podcast, Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? With my guests, we are discussing health issues, questions you may have, and debunking some of the myths around our health. And this podcast is coming out just before Christmas in 2023, and it's my Christmas present to you. It's the last podcast of the year, celebrating the first year I've run the podcast. And I really wanted to talk about exercise. Now, the previous podcast was with Nikki Kane. We've talked about exercise. And today I've got the very dynamic Claire Phone, who is going to talk about exercise is just movement with purpose. Guidance from a lifestyle chartered physio, the experts in physical activity management. So don't be scared about that word exercise. It's movement with purpose. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Claire before we hand over. So Claire is an holistic lifestyle chartered physiotherapist, motivational health and fitness speaker, having qualified from Guy's Hospital in 1984 with distinction. She was obviously very young then. um, And she also has a diploma in health education. (laughs) And she runs a number of physio yoga lates, a name devised by her, which we're going to hear about today. And these are exercise classes that she mainly runs in East Sussex, where she lives. And she offers one-off classes for corporate companies. Claire has very recently sold her practice, the Westminster Physiotherapy and Pilates Centre, after 29 years, where she specialised in pain management, women's health, and all musculoskeletal conditions. So she's now concentrating on corporate lecturing, lifestyle coaching, and teaching her physio yoga late classes. And she has recently established men-only classes, which I think is really fantastic idea, which are proving incredibly popular and beneficial. Claire has always had a specific interest in prevention, and we're going to talk about that as well, and aim to resolve the cause of pain in all of her patients and bring about lifestyle changes through understanding the whys and the ha- and the nose of sorry the whys and the hows of the five pillars of health, which we will also talk about today. So, welcome, Claire. Nice to see you. Oh, thank you, Joyce. Always a pleasure to see you. So, I'm really looking forward to our conversation and exercise. I think everyone does know this now, but it's one of my big passions. I've been very good this morning. We have discussed, we've both exercised. I've just done body attack and then body pump. I always think at the end, why did I do two classes? But it was great. It was great. Um, So we'll talk a bit more Mm -hmm. about that in a moment. But I'd really love to hear, Claire, first about your career, career journey and why you decided to become a physiotherapist. Well, thank you, Joyce. Um, I'm standing, (laughs) as uh, many of you might have noticed. And I know Joyce can't because she's actually, you know, there's there's reasons for the the screening. But I'm just going to just before I even go into that, if anyone is just sitting down and is able to stand, I'm going to very, very quickly go through how best to stand. Now, I know many of you just be listening to this, but if you all stand up, Put one heel in front of the other arch of your foot. So fifth position ballet, if anyone has done ballet. Tense up your thighs, so really tense them up. So push those knees back. As you do that, you're actually going to feel your core muscles. Those, If you feel anything around your tummy, those are your core muscles. 
The next thing, imagine there's a piece of string attached to the, the breastbone. Imagine someone's gently pulling that, that piece of string. So you're just opening up. You don't want to go rigid, but your shoulders are just opening up. Gently tuck your chin in. So you're lengthening the back of your neck. Keep hold of that core. And then just take your feet into a neutral position. So your feet are directly underneath your hips. Soften the knees. Roll those shoulders back, but maintain your core. And that's a wonderful way to actually start off this little exercise. And there you go. You see Joyce is just rolling her shoulders around. Just take that tension out of your, your body a little bit. Just get moving. To be honest, if I was doing a corporate class, I'd be get, getting you all exercising, but we're limited on time. So I'm hoping you're going to be standing. So a little bit about me. Um, I think it goes, I always want to do something medical, but aged 11, I went for an audition at the Royal Ballet School and uh, in front of Margot Fontaine. I think my father had lied on the application form because he thought I was so much better than I actually was. And you actually had to do all grade eight dances. So I was grade four. So I got to grade four five, six, seven, eight, I did not know the dances. So I had to stand at the back of the group and try to copy the girls in the front. It was quite traumatic, to be honest, at the age. But um, in hindsight, it's always it's, it's a nice story to start. But anyway, I didn't get in for some reason. And um, my father then said, well, actually, Claire, you could be the physio for the Royal Ballet School. So at that point, I thought, okay, that's quite interesting. A few years later, did some work experience absolutely loved it so I'm passionate about anyone doing work experience and from there I then got a place at Guy's Hospital um, so qualified in 1984 um, my first job was at Westminster Hospital and many of you might not know about charter physios but we always rotate around different areas of a hospital so I did paediatrics, geriatrics, neurological, intensive care, mental health, musculoskeletal. Developed a love for musculoskeletal, actually, but also I wanted to travel. Lots of physios go off traveling after two years. So I went to Toronto General because I love my skiing and worked with the double lung heart transplant patients, which really didn't do very well. But it was quite a dramatic area to be working in. But I also did lots of cardiac surgery, which I loved. And that was where my epiphany as a physio happened, is that you're dealing with people, it's life and death surgery. So literally, they are quite concerned often before they go for this major coronary artery bypass surgery. And um, I just took it upon myself. I'd see people pre-op, but I, I specifically said, apart from the obvious, what are you really worried about with this surgery? And I'd have some patients going, do you know, I feel good about it. I feel good. I'm prepared. I need the surgery. Um, I think it's going to go well. And they would do well. And I remember this one particular chap who said, I just don't feel good about it. You know, the surgery is happening on the day that my mother died. I just don't feel good. And actually, he did not do well. And this is not about the power of positive thinking, but it made me as a physio really understand that the, you cannot dissociate mind from body with any condition that you treat. And I will explain that a bit later. But that really, as a young physio, was quite, and it was quite dramatic at that time in the 80s when, you know, we really did separate mind from body. And I, I will be honest, I've struggled as a holistic chart of physio, you know, getting consultants and med medicine to really embrace what I 
I just anecdotally witnessed. From there, I came back, um, went to Charing Cross Hospital, where I really got into health education, did a certificate in health education, um, set up back care classes. I'm passionate about education, education of my patients and not me just doing things to people. I was one of the first physios to set up physio clinics within GP practices in the Hammersmith and Fulham area. And I did that because I just felt passionate again about communication, understanding the whole person, what else was going on socially with them rather than just purely the condition. Um, from there, I uh, was about to get married, so I went off to um, Marks and Spencers, went into the private sector, worked in um, at head office, where I developed a lot of aerobic exercise classes. So Joyce is a really keen. She used to teach exercise, didn't you, Joyce? And so I taught those classes, but also tra- uh, uh, treated did a foray into Harley Street where I learned how not to run a physio practice. And then 1994, I set up the Westminster Physiotherapy and Pilates Centre, uh, which is now opposite Buckingham Palace, which I've had for 29 years. Um, and even in the, that period of time, our mantra was, we aim to bring about lifestyle change in all our patients. So that was way back then. And then I've just sold it three weeks ago. So I'm really concentrating on my corporate lecturing, my physio yoga lattes classes and um, lifestyle health coaching. So that's where I am now. And that's why I am the physio that I am. Fantastic. The, the passion from you, Claire, I'd always, always love you. You're just you, honestly, you light up the room. <laughs> so as, as you said, <laughs> I, I did train in my 20s. I I. I love it that my last three guests have all been dancers and people that listen to this podcast will know that I'm, yeah. I'm a, I would, I've never even got to do an audition, but I did used to do shows when I was young and I've always been passionate about dance and I love going to watch dance and I love dancing around whenever I can. Um, but um, it, it's a huge passion of mine, but it's, it's tricky. It's tricky through our lives to juggle with work and kids and, and everything. And so we'll we'll talk about more of that and, and issues that women have, especially with trying to juggle everything. But let, let's start by delving more into exercise. And it's interesting that you, when I asked for the title of the podcast, you wanted to call it Exercise with Movement. And I, and I know, yeah. um, so no, you, call, yeah, yeah, you, you, you said um, exercise movement is just purpose. movement with purpose. I love that. People have got yeah. a bit scared of this yeah. word exercise, haven't they? So let's talk yeah. about that. Why do you yeah. think there's a problem with with even the word exercise? Oh, where do I start? And you're absolutely right. What I want to say is exercise is movement with purpose. All we're talking about is movement, movement. Let's just talk about movement. And if I can just set the scene a little bit so that it will hopefully help people along the journey with the questions that we've got but you cannot dissociate mind from body with any condition disease phase of life injury that we treat or we come across and the reasoning for that is because the organ of movement are your muscles and the muscles 
of ev- all, all the muscles of our body, every muscle, facial muscles, neck muscles, back muscles, hip muscles, every muscle of the body has two parts to it. So it has the outer part which has a nerve connection to your conscious brain. So I can consciously think, oh, I need to pick up my glasses. So I can consciously contract every single one of those muscles to bring about that precise movement. But the inside of every muscle has a nerve connection, not to your conscious brain, but to your emotional brain, which is housed below the conscious, which is where your automatic nervous system is, where your emotional brain is. And so if you're anxious, grieving, bereaved, lost, frustrated, angry, rushing, doing too much, living in the 21st century, there'll be an inattention to that muscle before you put that physical stress onto it. So you cannot dissociate mind from body with any, any condition, any phase. And that is really important that people understand that every individual is different because everyone's stresses and strains and life experience is going to be different. So me as a physio and particularly musculoskeletal, I've never seen two ankles the same. I've never seen two knees the same. I've never treated them the same. And I've treated tens of thousands of patients. So I just want that to be clear. And the other element that I really wanted to bring in is for individuals, we're exercising because we're talking about exercise and movement because we just want to be fit and well, don't we? We want longevity. We want to be fit. We want to be well. And to the lay person, our bodies are just a minefield. I mean, the fear mongering that's going on and the knowledge that we all have now of worrying about Alzheimer's, cardiac disease, diabetes, all these multitude of issues, you know, it's fear mongering and people are terrified. But let's take it way back and think what can you all do? to help yourself, because that's what it's all about, rather than somebody else doing something to you. So if we actually think about the body made is being made up of billions and billions of simple cells. So the cells have a cell membrane, they have a nucleus, they have the cytoplasm, and those cells need three things to function well. They need oxygen. You get oxygen from breath work and movement good breath work. You need to really get as much oxygen into your lungs. And therefore, the majority of that will get around your body, get up to your brain, get down to your tips, of the toes, get to every organ. Yes. Whereas if you are sedentary and you're sitting quite a bit, you're not going to get nearly as much oxygen into those lungs. Water, water from what we drink. Now, that's not alcohol, tea, coffee, whatever. It is water. So Drinking water is so important. There you go. We've got the perfect example sitting over there. And um, nutrition. And at the basic level, it's we need our vitamins. We need our minerals. We need our carbohydrates, complex ones. We need our fats. We need all of those elements. What we do not need is stuff, ultra-processed stuff. Let's not call it food. It's not food. It's stuff. And that's bringing no nutrients into your area. So one makes your choice, don't you? Um, um, and it is a choice often. So you've got your three elements um, that will make those cells he- healthy. Healthy. Those cells go to form tissues. 
Tissues then go to form organs. So you've got your stomach, your 30 foot of intestines, your lungs, your heart, your brain, all of those organs. Those organs go to form systems, your respiratory system, your endocrine system, your um, neurological system, all of the systems, and they then interact. So when one of those is not functioning well, it has an impact on everything else. You can't control that. But what we can all control is our basic cells. If you just think about oxygen, nutrition, and water getting to those cells, it's a great place to make it a bit more simple to understand the reasons why we do things rather than me blast you with science and you just get overwhelmed. We are living in such a world of health rubbish and noise. And I personally, as a chart, good chartered physio, consider myself being a curator in a world of noise and sifting it through so that we enable people to just become a bit more body intuitive. So movement, let's just talk about it as being movement. And then and then once you, you get hold of that and you're feeling much better, of course, there are you know, specific exercises that you can do for specific things, but you can get a little bit bogged down by it. So I'm sorry, it's quite a roundabout way, but I just so wanted to get that across early on, Joyce, because it will influence so many of the other questions that you ask. Yeah, I think I think one of the problems starts at school is <clears throat> the exercise we do is competitive sports. And I think for some people that that's put them off if they're not good at sports. And we we were talking today and in my class uh, with my aerobics teacher, and she said that her kids' school they're not they're not even doing that. They're not even doing any any games or any exercise hardly at all. And I know with with my boys, if they weren't doing extra sports, they're eighteen now. But if they weren't doing their extra sports outside. They wouldn't be. I think we really need to make sure that we have a positive culture about movement and exercise in schools so that we then really set people up. So it's not a scary word. Exercise shouldn't be a scary word, but you're right. We've we've got to sort of step back and talk about movement with purpose because of that Mm. culture from schools. I think that's a, a problem. Um, how we're reacting at schools. What do you think about how we're doing this at schools? You're so, oh, and I'm so sorry, I didn't actually answer that question. Um, uh, You're absolutely right. And this is, these are just government policies and things and lack of playing fields and lack of movement. You know, it is, it is truly shocking, to be honest. It is, all I can say is it's truly shocking. I'm not a politician. This should be their, their role. Because it's policy and, and, yeah, and change that needs to be brought in. People absolutely, the, the younger we get people moving, the better. And and you and you're absolutely right. It's so many people are put off by certain exercises, and I absolutely understand it with girls with getting sweaty. You know, you get you don't want to look sweaty. You know, if you want to look good, you know, and you've got some makeup on or something. There are so many resistance to it. And also as women, you know, enter puberty and things like, I mean, we could talk about breast size, couldn't we? I mean, I'm lacking, but, um, you know, it, it, all these things, you know, it is, it makes one much more inhibited, I think, with body shapes, doesn't it? 
and and it limits what people children do yes definitely so when when we when we have movement or exercise what's it what's it actually doing in our bodies you talked about the need for nutrition and water um and how how is the body and oh, no, oxygen how is the exercise actually helping us both physically and mentally um to look after all parts of our body well you know it is it is about getting all those system the oxygen the nutrition and the water all around your body and that's you can only do that through movement so it's the pumping of the muscles that that pump the oxygen the nutrition and the water around your body it also dramatically um, brings about perspective shift that we know that by moving your body can change you physically but also emotionally and so many of the thoughts that we have are just thoughts in our brain and if you can actually change those thought processes you can actually lighten the load a little bit I mean again exercise being with people that's connection community all elements to that have a dramatic change. But it, it's just the basis of getting all those aspects to your organs, your systems, to keep them healthy. And they only stay healthy by having those three things. Otherwise, they become sick, which you can still improve, or they die. And you that's the aim is to just keep us active in whichever way to get everything pumping around your body and keeping all our organs and our systems as healthy as we possibly can. But it is the extraordinary element of of the whole body, mind and body, and the perspective shifts that occur when you move. And we, um, you talked then about exercising with people. Um, I, you know, I, I can do a workout at home, but I much prefer, prefer to go and do it with the class and get the buzz off the class and, and talk to people. And then something else that I think is even better than that is exercising outside. So um, Claire and mm. I spoke earlier, we've, we've mm. both been cold water swimming. And I think here it's not just pumping that blood round but it's it's also these are things that are releasing endorphins and for me when I'm jumping around an aerobic class you know I get goose pimples I get such a buzz so it's the physical and mental mm-hmm. buzz mm-hmm. of that so how, how can we mm-hmm. encourage people to not be scared of of movement or exercise and use it very much mm-hmm. as a, a social event as well absolutely it's just making just little gear shifts. So instead of meeting someone for a cup of coffee and sitting in a coffee shop, why don't you just go for a walk instead and take your coffee with you? Just by opening your back door or your window or stepping out first thing in the morning. So we know that if you do that within 30 minutes of waking, You stimulate your pineal glands, which are found in your eyes, which actually set up your circadian rhythm for the rest of the day. So it actually, you know, 
calms the melatonin, but you then want the melatonin later on in the day. And it, it just sets it up. It's like a it's like a, a an alarm clock that just wakens it up, sets it up, and, and that will really affect how your day progresses and then how you sleep in the evening. It's just a simple thing, but add on to that meeting a girlfriend, a chap, you know, whoever you go walking with, go and have a little walk um, around the block. You don't have to be in the country. I mean, it can be just a walk around the block. I am just passionate about aspects of one's normal life and bringing movement into that. So with my corporate lecturing, I'm always suggesting, you know, can you actually stand on the tube or on the train? Um, Because you are going to work muscles. It's only by activating your muscles do you burn calories so any period of sitting there's a negative element to that because you're not burning nearly as many calories as you are when you are moving or standing so getting off the tube you know two stops before you normally where your work is and therefore you can actually um, activate that just any opportunity to be outside go out at lunchtime if you're working go out at the end of a day just even if you feel you do not have much time, just have a five minute walk around the block, you will feel markedly better. And I've we've all witnessed it. The, the issue with being in nature is that you're constantly confronted by what are called fractals, which are altered shapes and irregular texture, irregular shapes and, and textures that you come across be it swimming in the sea, out in the, in the, uh, in the country, um, in the towns. And these dramatically affect your mental health. Rather than being an enclosed room, like a gym, which I'm just not majorly a great fan of, to be honest. It doesn't do it for me. I know it's a great community for some people. So, you know, What's right for me is not necessarily right for somebody else. So that's where you have to listen to your own body and become a little bit more body intuitive and believe in yourself. And actually, I do talks on uh, five pillars of health, take back ownership of your own body and how best to liaise with the medical profession. So, so you know, we need to just listen to our bodies a little bit more and you you get more body intuitive by moving more. Whereas the less you move the less intuitive you're going to become. So I can't rate being outside highly enough. How wonderful is it to be outside and then you you get then you could do a few stretches. I mean, to be honest, that's far better than sometimes doing, you know, a set class that is guided by somebody else. You know, I, I do feel quite passionately about if you can try and become more body intuitive with yourself and what's right for you, you will get you will reap the benefits from that rather than perhaps just relying on an ex- external person to tell you what your body needs. That's that's a I, big, I love that. big thing, and yeah. I get it. We are all so individual and we're all going to do and enjoy doing different things. But I've heard that before about getting outside within 30 minutes of waking up in the morning. Um, so we should do, you know, try try and be outside. Just, you know, get get the, that energy 
from outside. And um, you, we've, you've mentioned a few times now the five your five pillars of well-being, and they're very similar to, well, the same as mine. But I just want you, before we go keep going on yeah. the exercise, just tell us, remind us what the five pillars of well-being are. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm so passionate about this because, um, because I just feel so many of the things that we're fearful of, disease, disease conditions, disease is just dis-ease. You know, you can term it whatever you like. It can be ulcer, it can be uh, musculoskeletal, it can be this, that and the other, but it's still dis-ease. And so with all my patients, and it's always a, a, a community between the two of us, a communion between the two of us to get it to get the person better but I would always ask them these five areas so so the five pillars of health are are you exercising well now exercising well can mean under exercising but can massively mean over exercising uh, I, I my my physio practice I taught treated a lot of you know high-end individuals who were over exercising they were coming into my practice all of the time with ailments and they'd walk in and think, yeah, Clark, I know, I know what you said. I know what you said, but I just, you know, I can't stop myself. It is not right to have musculoskeletal problems. That means you're not really listening to your body. That is not good for you. And it is not a badge of honor. A lot of people, yeah, 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 I've had the um, spinal decompression, uh, um, shoulder decompression, you know, spinal decompression. I've had this, I've had that. I'm sorry, but that's not great exercise management is it you've got to really listen to your body so let's be honest we can very much over exercise and that causes many issues and that's why you have to be body intuitive and start somewhere and see how you feel if you feel fantastic after doing things great but if you're having injuries and you're having physio all the time that's not great so exercising, and that comes with breath work, doesn't it? Nearly every single patient that I used to see, I'd have to teach them to breathe properly because you, the diaphragm is raised, we're stressed, we hold all our tension up here. So breath work is so important, and I would include that in exercise. The second one is eating well. I'm not the nutritionist, but we all know the basic elements and we all know what we should be doing. Of course, you can go much further down the line and be a bit more precise if you wish. But fundamentally, we've got to eat nutritious food, fruit and veg and avoid ultra processed foods. And again, we can certainly go into more depth on that. But it's fascinating with women's menstrual health, at, at, you know, what kind of foods are better at different times and things, but that's that's another discussion. Sleeping well, sleeping well. We we know how valuable sleep is and how important it is, and so many of the population do not sleep well. But there are fundamentals that everyone could actually be doing to bring about a better sleep pattern. And then there are some people who do have insomnia and one should seek help for it because it is a major influencer then, isn't it, on what we eat, how much we exercise. So that has that ripple effect. The fourth one is mental fitness, passionate about mental fitness, you know, meditation, but you don't have to meditate. The meditation could be just your walk in the morning. It could be you stepping out with your, you know, cup of tea or something just sitting out looking at the birds hearing the birds you know there are a multitude of things and you know 
of course there's mental ill health, but we all have to work on our mental fitness, don't we? I mean, no one is perfect and we've all had to work at that. So the mental health, the mental piece is is so vital. And then the fifth one, which I feel so passionate about and I think actually comes at the top, is life purpose, community, connectivity, family, friendships, spirituality, in whichever guise it is. It's, It's a combination of so many things that we just cannot quantify in medicine. And this is where I personally have struggled as a health professional, because I think really good health professionals have to listen to evidence-based, but we have a wealth of knowledge of anecdotal evidence from the patients and the people we come across. And I have learned much more from all my patients than I think I've ever given to them. They have been extraordinary and the best teachers I could ever have had but you also need you know clinical thinking and you know awareness and medical intuition as there are so many aspects to it but I think that fifth pillar we don't talk enough about because it's it's again it's individual but it has such a massive power on how we develop as individuals the health issues we have, how we can cope with them. Um, and you could take each one of those in, in a, and I will just literally interject with a little story. So a few years ago, I did a talk to the over 60s of Kensington and Chelsea. I will be honest, they were over 70, 80, 90, but in walked Betty, she was 96. Chanel looked gorgeous her lipstick was just it was just a bit off the mouth it was just a bit off but she was heavenly she was ahead of me all the time with my with my slides but when I got to life purpose she said Claire my life purpose is to walk outside talk to a stranger and make them smile I said Betty you can't get better than that that is an extraordinary life purpose is not something highfalutin it's not running the country it's not whatever it's little elements to that of of interaction community so those are my five pillars i could go on forever and talk about each one of those but um but to me that's the basis of trying for people to take a little bit more ownership of themselves and not feel they have to constantly be guided by somebody else that you can become intuitive with all of those areas and make little changes little it's just one one put one foot in front of the other i love it so um I, when i wrote my book i had well i had i now have the same five pillars but when I wrote my last book, Your Fertile Years, I only talked about the four pillars, which were, were exercise, yeah. sleep, nutrition, and our, our mental mental health. And then, um, but my next book is going to be all about the fifth pillar because, as you said, it, it is complicated, but it's probably number one. Oh, and without that, I think I think we're 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 having a problem. 
And I think at the moment, since lockdown, so many people are still working at home. And I think one of the problems with working at home is that we could just sit inside all day and not actually leave the, you know, the, the desk. And I think for our health, that's a disaster. And for, for me, um, during lockdown, my knees went, my back went. You know, I was had several days, yeah, many days, terrible. where I just didn't leave leave the house. So, as you said, getting outside, um, getting some social connections, going for a walk with a friend. You know, don't if you're working at home for the day, don't sit there all day. You know, go even if you go out on your own, get out for a walk. It's a beautiful day today. Um, you know, every, mm, every day mm, is a beautiful day in a different way. Mm. Um, so don't worry mm. if it's cold mm. and raining. You know, get out there and get some mm. natural light on mm. you. But yeah, don't don't just sit mm. sit the whole day. So uh, globally, we we don't move enough. Um, the data shows that women in every country exercise less than men, and this is why in the UK we have the "This Girl Can" campaign. I'm pleased I'm an ambassador, and I wonderful. try to do my little oh, bits. Encourage women and girls to exercise. How much mm-hmm. exercise should we be doing? And then, you know, to really look after our health. You talked about over exercising, but how much should we mm-hmm. be doing? Because I know that we're not we're not doing it. Um, how much should we be doing to try and be good health? Again, I just hate to be prescriptive because we're you know everyone is so different. I think the people who are not doing enough need to be doing more. <laughs> And then the people who are doing too much need to be doing a bit less. I mean, you know, really every day you should be walking somewhere. You know, that is something very simple. It's free. To be honest, I'm also really about free stuff. I My biggest proponent, you know, is, is to offer things that are free. And yes, if you then want to, you know, spend a fortune on something else, that's completely your prerogative. But you do not feel you have to be doing this particular class and this particular uh, system to to reap the benefits. So I just think every day, do a walk. And, And even if you start with a small amount, great. It could be you choose 10 minutes, walk down the lane and back again. I was such a proponent with my patients very early on, of I would literally sometimes give them one exercise to do. Get out of bed, get on the floor and just do one. Just one. And they would always do it. But when you're down and you've done one, you're much more likely to do a few more. You think, oh, well, I'm here now. I've got a bit more time. I'll do a few more exercises. If I said, right, I need you to do these two hours of exercises. Well, they would have not done it. Hmm. Start small and build. And and get to the point where you feel good. So I, oh, it's so difficult because I know so many people want prescription, but walking, I think, well, we can talk about, you know, the forms of exercise that I do. But to be honest, all it is is dancing. I mean, if you danced like Joyce does, um, if you move, this is movement, isn't it? I'm working my muscles as I do that. I'm, I'm dancing is fantastic for coordination, for balance, for strength and flexibility. So you've got everything covered, everything covered. If I think about some of my patients, so look at Bruce Forsyth. Would you not want to be Bruce Forsyth? 
who danced. He did not do extremes of exercise. He was a golfer, but he did not pound the gym and, and work out, but he danced. And he was as nimble as anything into his 80s. Would you not want to be the Duke of Edinburgh, who was able to do all the sports and actions that he did, latterly a bit of ill health? That's what we're aiming for. So I would do that. Just make it. You can make it up. You can make it up. Put the radio on. Put some music on and let rip. You can't get better than that. You can't get better than that. I'm sorry, you just can't. Because actually the process of jigging a bit, you have to transfer weight from one to the other. And, you know, therefore your balance is going to improve. Whereas, to be honest, if you're if you're just doing weights in one ray, this was, I know everything has got so much better over the years. But you know, in my youth, it was just gyms and they'd, you know, it's one line of direction of movement and things. So if you are going to just start something, go for a walk, be with nature. So you're getting your fractals, your mental health is, is affected. And then you could increase the stride, couldn't you? You can increase your stride. You could lengthen it out. You then think, oh, my goodness, I feel so much better doing that. That's body intuition because you think, oh, I feel great. You're much more likely to do it again. Whereas if I told you, right, I need you to get in your car, drive for half an hour to get to the lo- late, latest gym, um, go and do a class, come back, the whole morning's gone. You don't have that time for the morning, but at length of time, and you're much less likely to do it. But you might want to do that class because your mates are going and you've got the time and, and everything. But just don't add frustrations to your movement with purpose. Is that a good answer? I love it. And I was was going to say the same. Put the radio on. If you've got 10 minutes in the kitchen with no kids or anyone coming in, my kids always say, you dance terribly, (laughs) Mum. Dance like you just don't care. So put it, and make a playlist. Make a playlist called Dance. Think of all your favourite tracks that you like. They won't be the same as the next person and yeah. and get it out there. And yeah. I would suggest to everyone for 2024, go to a festival, go for a, get a day ticket to a festival. There's so many different types of music and, you know, just, I mean, I've been, I've been days on my own in festivals, but f- try and find a friend, get out there. It's, you know, you're never too old to dance. And one of our sayings is we're going to rave to the grave. Um, and I've told my kids, oh, when I, I can't dance it, anymore, Joyce. send me off to Switzerland. <laughs> but you see, that's you've why fun. you've got joy. You've got to have fun. You've got joy de vivre. I mean, you know, coming out of your pores, haven't you? You're extraordinary. But that's your chosen. That might not be somebody else's, but but actually you can do it. True. You don't, let me say, 90% of people fear to be different fear to be they don't they don't want to look conspicuous they don't want to for someone to look and this is what I've struggled with for for years is that I do a talk called turning your working day into a workout so I bring in all these elements and I exercise when I was commuting I would stop off at East Croydon and I'd get on the platform and I would just exercise 
And I'm a bit of a show off, but I still felt a bit self-conscious, you know, because you could see people, mainly women, let me tell you, they'd be looking at me going, stupid woman. I know they were. They were looking at me thinking, oh, who do you think you are, you stupid woman? And I thought, do you know what? I really don't care what you think of me. And then I do it on the train, any opportunity. I do it at airports. I've done it on um, aeroplanes, you know. I don't make because actually I'm trying to get people to just feel less embarrassed. And this is the biggest issue. People are so fearful of being conspicuous that it limits our health. If people didn't really just forget that and just get on with just trying to move and try and ignore what anyone else thinks of you. And if we just remembered that in our youth, we are so concerned about what other people think of us. By the age of 40, you really don't give a damn what anyone thinks of you. But at the age of 50, you realise no one's been thinking about you in the first place anyway. So, um, you know, I'm passionately, I'm passionate about... But I, I get it. Some people are very reserved and um, maybe we'll get on to talk about my men only class. But, you know, that's been joyous. But we, we just have to realise this is our body. And and it's not you have to. We always worried about what other people think of us often. And it stops us doing things that we really should be doing. Which is looking a bit stupid. Yes, definitely. Uh- now, as you age, let's become more carefree. Let's make it fun. And, yeah, just just do yes. what, what feels good for us. When I, I, have, I have a lot of aeroplane flights, unfortunately. Um, and I, I get up every hour yeah. and I go near the toilet and then I do some squats and I do some lunges and I do some yes. stretches. But I've never seen anyone else do a squat or a lunge on a flight ever. And you know what? Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah. I'm sure they're all good thinking, oh, that's a really good idea. But, I, yeah, I just do it. Um, now, tell us about the classes that you run. Have I been pronouncing it wrong? Is it um, physio, yoga, is it yes, lattes or lace? Yes, you have, Joyce. And tell us about your men only. Physio, yoga, lattes. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, great. Oh, so, lattes, um, right. So physio, oh. yoga, lattes. So when I coined it about 25 years ago, people go, okay, that sounds good. You get a latte afterwards, after the class. Um I basically coined it because, so I've been a physio for 39 years, but actually I've always loved exercise movement sports. I've always been quite active and I appreciate that I've got that, that, you know, that physical intelligence, which the great Claire Dale was talking about, which I'm passionate about, you know, physical intelligence. And some people have it, some people don't, but you can achieve it because I have watched patients change. And I've brought about lifestyle change, as I say, in many of my patients. So it's all achievable to have that body intuition. So it's a great term. And I've always done that. Um, So basically, over the years, um, I have just gleaned so much information. And physios are the experts in physical activity management because we are the only profession that studies exercise but understands the pathologies and the longevity of of health and well-being because we're involved in every stage 
of people's movement patterns, be they having a stroke, a brain hemorrhage, musculoskeletal problems, intensive care, cardiac surgery. We're the first people to get people moving. So we have an innate knowledge with our training. We used to do a lot of spring work before Pilates had been really brought to to England, even though it was big in New York and things. Um, And so over the years, I've gleaned Physio education, so that's where the physio bit is, because I'm. it's all about imparting information. So people go, oh, I am, okay, I understand now why I should be doing that. And I kind of say, and this is what it's doing to you. So you're feeling this and it's getting the oxygen to the brain and you're, you know, reducing toxins from the, you know, the buildup and things like that. So I talk, I talk, as you can hear, I do talk quite a bit. So, but it's Pilates. So the best of Pilates the best of yoga. I do ballet because I love my ballet. And honestly, and Joyce, you love your, but going back to it, a ballet dancer is the epitome of perfect form. You can't get better than that. You can do it very badly. I've treated loads of more middle-aged women who started ballet because they grip with their toes and cause a lot of problems because it is a very advanced form of exercise, but you can't bend. But we do a, quite a bit of ballet, uh, qigong, tai chi. So I combine lots of different movement patterns to bring about a whole holistic workout. So it's not just one strength training. We do use TheraBand quite a bit because, you know, strengthening resistance work is very important but that does not have to just be free weights it can be very um unilateral it can you can cause a lot of overworking of certain muscles that's why if you look at a ballet dancer their form is so beautiful isn't it and they don't do any weight they use body weight but they it's just the alignment and things which is so stunning to see and you look at the line of their muscles is beautiful that's still resistance training um, so it's a combination of everything. And I've taught these for um, 25 years, taught them in London. Um, I moved to East Sussex 15 years ago. So I've been teaching there since then. And they've just grown. So I do it online alongside physical attendance. So I do an over 60s and an over 50s. Um, but we're all getting a bit older. So I started these in my 30s. And now I'm and over 60 so um but I love it and people really benefit from because it's an education it's an education as well and our aim as a physio is to educate and motivate it's not just to do it's to educate and motivate and then oh my men only because I've treated so many men over my years and they're often, you know, consider themselves incredibly fit. So I will ask about their fitness. Yeah, 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 I'm, you know, cycle and I'm in the gym at four in the morning and I do everything. I said, great, great, great. So I take them through to the gym. This is not all men, but so, I, and then I test them with some coordination exercise and balance. Can't do it. They just can't do it. And they're very <laughs> stiff and rigid. And they are naturally stiffer than women. You know, we have all our hormones. We have, you know, relaxin and our estrogen and all these hormones which bring about a bit more relaxed tissues. But I think it also comes from, you know, women are just a slightly different breed. I know, again, we're all individual, but men 
can be a little bit more closed and, and a bit more conspicuous. So I've taught so many public classes in front of Westminster Cathedral with 60 people attending or on the rooftop at, at Cardinal Place. 49 women, one man. Um, so, you know, the men are just not so keen to come to these classes because I think they feel, one, they're a bit competitive and so, you know, they can't do it. So they think, oh, well, what's the point? So I have established men-only physio yoga lattes, which I've only been doing for the last month. And it is word of mouth. It's, it's friends and people that I, I know. The change is extraordinary. You know, the first day they were just just a bit awkward because they don't know each other and everything. Within a week, I've seen a dramatic change. They're seeing a dramatic change. And we do a lot of fluidity stuff. No one really cares now what they look like. And they have dramatically changed their range of movement. Coordination is better and balanced. So um, I do think sometimes separating men out we could then get men becoming much more flexible as they age and better coordination which is so important for longevity and I'm a tennis player at uh, and I play at my club and there are some brilliant really sporty men and they are really struggling as they get older with knee issues they have recurrent injuries and all this is preventable with flexibility, if you improve your flexibility and your coordination and balance, as well as strength, um, so it's been it's been really joyous to me actually, and um, I'm a I'm a real proponent of it because I think they are so benefiting from it. I think it's a tremendous idea, Claire. Um, my class is I did two today. One had no men in, and one had one man in who came with his girlfriend. Yeah. But you're you're right because your yeah. classes are doing everything. They're helping flexibility, balance, coordination, which men traditionally mm. are just going to the gym and they're pumping some weights and they're doing mm. a few machines. Mm. But they're missing all those other areas that you're covering in your in your great class. So I think I think mm. that's great to do a men only. That's a great idea. And you, you talked about preventative. Mm. Um, you know, being strong mm. through our movement and our exercise really does prevent. And you also yeah. just mentioned there about the the long term illnesses, and we know a lot of data about cardiovascular, Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer. With with our exercise and movement, we can reduce the risk. And especially looking after our, our pillars of well being, it's really we've got so much data about that. Knowing that it does. Prevents there is so much data. These diseases. So it's so important. <laughs> it's really important. So there is so much data now. Joyce. Yes, we just need to let everyone know. We're, we've just got a few questions now before we move to the end, um, specifically about women. Um, so, yes, the menstrual cycle, obviously, our hormones are sort of mm -hmm. going up and down and cycling through our body. I talked a lot last. On the last podcast with Nikki Kay about this, um, I've heard different views about exercising with our menstrual cycle. I've I've read a lot about the female mm -hmm. athletes and sportswomen 
um, that now some of the training is to to work with their menstrual cycle because the hormones make us feel physically and mentally different throughout. So what's your yeah. view on that? Do you think during our menstrual cycle, it's um, we could do the same exercise the whole time or should we go with our body? We're probably feeling more yoga-ish towards the end of our cycle, but maybe in the middle of our cycle, we want to do much, something much more uh, energetic. How, mm. how do you think women should deal with exercise and their menstrual cycle? I'm quite passionate about being aware. It's it's, and we are both, aren't we, Joyce? We're passionate about just educating women so much earlier, from pre-puberty, through puberty, pregnancy, nurturing phase, and the perimenopause, menopause. And I think if we understood it much more and understood the areas, we would be so much better prepared. And that's what we're all about. I. Again, this means then that you have to be a bit body intuitive. So I think body intuitive people will absolutely recognize, you know, I just want to do low, low, lower key stuff. I want to do a bit of yoga. And actually, in hindsight now, and, um, you know, I certainly wasn't fully educated about my um, menstrual cycle. I didn't take the time to really understand it as a young girl. I, I wish I had actually, but now we're, we've got this big movement to educate women throughout the whole phase. Let's not just take perimenopause, menopause on its own. Let's just take the whole journey and educate women. Um, so I think you're going to have some women who do it naturally. And they will think, gosh, you know, I've got lots of energy. And I remember that so well of that period where, you know, once you had your period and then within days of that, this energy, I feel this creativity and energy and ability to just conquer the world. And then you'd have that build up to the your period where you just felt a bit lower, a bit nurturing. And I think that's such good information for women to understand the progesterone building up to the the so actually lower gentle pilates yoga at that period and then if you recognize that you've got lots of energy that's when if you're wanting to train for your marathon you can train for your you know or you you want to do your hit or you want to do your you know weights then that's a good time to do it but many people are not that intuitive still and they can achieve it as we've discussed so I think women understanding those different phases could really help them so I'm as, as a guide it could be a guide you know it's you I don't think you should be um you know absolutely set in stone but actually as a guide understanding that you know the different hormones perhaps require slightly different things. But if you think, gosh, but I feel fantastic and I've got lots of energy, then go with it. So as a guide, I think it's really useful. And and that's um, uh, Mindy Peltz, Dr. Mindy Peltz. Have you read her book? It's marvellous. Um, but she's a she's a great proponent of, of that. And it's all in the education. And then if you're going to take that and you think, gosh, I now really understand that, you can then make that choice, can't you? Rather than somebody else telling you what you should be doing. Uh, and and even in my classes, you know, I've got a lot of my friends who come. So we're now entering our 60th decade. And um, 
And sometimes, you know, I always say, listen, do what you, you know, if you feel you've got energy, go with it. If you're thinking, oh, I'm feeling a bit uh, 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 low, then just just go with it. So um, I hope that's answered your question. I, I think there's a real value to it. Yes. And, and as we keep saying, we're, we're all individual. And for me, it, all of my life, mm. uh, one reason I wanted to do the really high impact is because I know it's a bit, sounds a bit odd, but I have too much energy and I feel if I don't get rid of some of it, <laughs> I will go a bit crazy. So for me, I know yoga is really important and I do do it and I do, I prefer body balance. I, 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 cause I like, I'm not very good at being still. I, I, so we've got to do what's right for us. That's that's the key. Absolutely, and you know your body, and and what, and hence your dancing. I mean, that's going to expend a lot of energy. To be honest, just with strictly, because I'm a bit like you, Joyce. I'm I just I'm, I've got ants in my pants a bit. I just love to move, but. Um, we never watch Strictly because we're never in on a Saturday night. I don't have two hours. You know, it's nearly two hours or something, is it? But I wanted to support it with Angela Rippon and also Annabelle Croft, who is quite extraordinary. I think I, I just I just think she's such a great example of just hard work and just get going with things and and doing whatever she can do herself she's working on her five pillars isn't she big time uh to to cope with something really quite horrific um and so we sometimes on a sunday night fast forward it but i dance behind the sofa my husband won't do it with me says oh gosh honestly clay you really do look ridiculous i mean what do you think you're doing i'm sweating I'm sweating behind and it is an amazing workout. I mean, you wouldn't want to video it, but but actually, why are people sitting watching somebody else dance? I, I can't quite understand that. Um, and I'm sure many people are moving, but it's, these are little examples. I just think just my turning your working day into a workout is sitting is the new smoking. That is a headline, which is quite a difficult thing to bring into corporates. But a lot of them now have standing desks. But if you are not needing to sit at that computer and write something or write, if you're on the phone, if you're in a discussion with someone, you should never be sitting. Never sit if you can possibly avoid it. Because the compression on all your internal organs, if you think about men, the prostate is is very has very poor blood flow anyway so if you add on to that layers of you know of weight but also weight bearing down on that area women with your uterus with menstrual flow you know we need a flow needs to happen doesn't it and gravity needs to be assisted with that and i think it's a known thing with endometriosis that actually to move and get the movement of 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 you know the menstrual flow better can really help with with some symptoms and things. So avoiding sitting at every opportunity. My son told me that he'd read, so he's 18, so whatever media he's being fed, he had read that sitting is the new smoking and that if you if you sit for a couple of hours, you might as well have had a cigarette. It's so bad 
for your health. So it, it's good that it's getting to the teenagers. So no sitting, everyone. We're going to stand up after we've, after after we've um, listened to, after you've listened to this, or stand up while you're listening. And lots of people listen to podcasts walking, which is great. So Claire, you oh, mentioned absolutely. the menopause, which is fantastic. So, yes. <laughs> Let's have a little chat about the menopause. Um, so we've got two mm. stages, really, in my view. We've got the perimenopause, which is this difficult transition for many women. But for me, I, I always tell everybody yep. I exercise through my perimenopause. And then we, we'll, we'll talk about the postmenopause yeah. as well. And one of my students a couple of weeks ago uh, said that she thought that women at postmenopause were past their prime. <gasps> I'm sorry, Claire. You're going to hate this. Gosh, we're we're not past. No, I our just prime. can't bear so it. Let... <laughs> we're in our prime. I keep saying we're in our prime. So I'd love to hear your point of view. How can women help with movement and exercise during perimenopause, and what do they need to consider postmenopause? Well, it is so important, but again, it's it's. I so want to take the conversation even further back because the better your understanding of your body in your youth and navigating these phases, and I think what is so wonderful is that we are talking about it more. And I, I'm just loath to, to just talk about perimenopausal women as if nothing's happened before and suddenly they've got all these symptoms and what do you do about it? And completely understanding that many women, you know, do have nasty symptoms and it becomes it comes at a bit of a shock. But I think if we can get that education much earlier at really getting more people understanding that they need to move more, I think they would enter that phase so much better. So rather than us just targeting that that group, let's talk about it earlier but this is a time to just keep well if you haven't done any exercise so let's look at that scenario if you've not been an exerciser you know I'm afraid you are gonna have worse symptoms if you have not worked on your five pillars of health when you get to the perimenopause, bar so many conditions this is we've got to just talk about the general population who can be helping themselves. We know we've got surgical early menopause. We know we've got breast cancers. We've got so many variables, but there is a group of women who could have been doing so much more to enter this phase if we knew about it. Again, I had the same. I didn't really understand it when I entered it, but now you know, I'm informed and that's why, you know, we're involved as well. Joyce, isn't it? It's, <clears throat> that's partly why I got involved is, is the education <clears throat> side of it. Exercise is key, as is trying to eat well, sorting out your sleep, um, you know, looking after your mental health and continuing to have your life purpose. But, you know, everything collides this time. We do talk about this being a midlife period. It's complicated. It's complicated for men. It's complicated for women. But you cannot then put it all at the blame of perimenopause, menopause. It is a combination of our lifestyles, 
which are tough and hard work. I absolutely get it. But we must work at all of those elements. And so to continue the theme of what we've been talking about, get out in nature, meet a good girlfriend that you love to chat to, that you know you can open, or your partner, or a family member, or, or a group of strangers. There are so many uh, um, offerings now, aren't there? The menopause cafe and things, but that can involve, you know, walking as well. Um, groups, there are so many exercise classes you could go to where you could get a bit of support that way. You know, if you choose an over 50s or an over 40s exercise class. Um, but rather than recounting everything that I've said, yes, exercise is absolutely key. But we do know that as we get older, the, the, um, the, the you know, resistance training really does have a value rather than lots of high impact, you know, long endurance running and things. Um, so you have to listen to your body. But there is absolute, but again, remembering that resistance training is not just free weight training. It can be body weight training, it's yoga, it's Pilates, there's a lot of resistance training, TheraBand. Um, and again, free weights have a value, but you really have to have good form to it because we treat so many people who are over lifting far too heavy weights for them. And they're developing muscle imbalances, which cause, which cause joint injury. Once you've damaged a joint, there is no return. There is no return. That's why, you know, we now see people in their 30s having total hip replacements. And that's often due to excessive exercise, the wrong exercise or not enough exercise. Uh, whereas when I was a newly qualified physio, you didn't see anyone, anyone under 70 having a total hip replacement. Um, so the joints are valuable. We, we They don't heal. Muscles heal. But you form and positioning is so important. So, yes, I'm passionate about exercise in every guise. But let's go back to you with your girlfriends. Swimming, we swimming, but, you know, you go dancing, you go walking, all these movement. Just move with whoever you want. And uh, and then, of course, if you've got if you can. Take yourself into a bit more centered on, you know, some some weights. Absolute value resistance work is really important as well for, for, for bone health, as we know. Fantastic. And you're totally right. It's not just, oh, I've got to the perimenopause. Let's start looking after my pillars of well-being. And I totally agree with you. If we have done this our whole life, but it's never too late. It's never too late, but ideally we get this in no. schools. No. Young people get it. They're looking after their health. Mm. You know, are you, I'm sure you know mm. life expectancy in some countries has gone down, including the US, because we're leading yes. these to and, toxic lives where we're not. And the UK. You know, looking after. And the UK. <laughs> we're not looking after our pillars of health. But for I agree with you. I can see some women coming up to the perimenopause and I think – they, they're going to have a rough time. You know, they're, they're really, yes. you know, they're drinking too much. They're not yes. exercising. They're working too yes. much. They're not enjoying them, their life. They're not moving right. They're, and I can see the problems coming. 
So it's never too late. Mm. Get moving. Mm. Um, mm. And my final questions to my guests are, so the first one, I've called this podcast, Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? So Claire, I'm sure you've heard through your career, people say, well, why didn't I know this? Why didn't anyone tell me this? And what's the main thing that you would have heard over the years? I The main one was when I explain the physiological process of mind and body, they go, oh my goodness, that makes complete sense. Why did no one else tell me this? And they say that, Joyce. That's why your podcast is so fantastic. Um, they also, that the other thing they say every single time is I always explain the cause of their problem, the cause, not the end result. And so that is a light bulb moment for people as well. They go, oh, my goodness, I now understand why I've got the back pain. Now I understand why I've got the knee pain. Um, now I understand why I've got all these signs and symptoms in the perimenopause, menopause. It's an understanding of what goes before, and we have to keep taking it back to the cause and not treat the end result. And that is life-changing for people and lifestyle-changing. That's when it makes sense for someone to think, aha, I've got it now, I'm going to make the change. Whereas we know that just telling everyone knows they should exercise well, they know they should sleep, they know it. But if you really take it into yourself and understand your issues and what's causing them and that you can take ownership and I think the worst thing we have ever done is take away ownership from individuals and I'm shocked at how often I do talks and it's as if people go what I'm I'm allowed to do that am I for my body I'm thinking this is your body it, it is it's, I mean that sounds off but I think people think, oh my gosh, can I can I do that? Because we've kind of given our bodies over to medicine and we've seen with the pandemic that really there is no one out there who really knows our body better than we will ever know it if you take the time to understand it and if you constantly blame someone else or blame a named condition or blame something else and don't take ownership for it yourself you're the one who's going to suffer not anybody else you're the one who suffer and we've seen it you see it in you I know how I feel myself and I've seen it in my patients and those I have treated such extraordinary individuals and it's all come from within them, not anything I ever did to them. But I was able to educate them. And th that is just the greatest joy for me as a health professional and as chartered physio. I, I, there is nothing more joyous than seeing that kind of change in, in individuals through education. 
I really love that. Take ownership. We need to take ownership of our our own health and our own well-being. I love that, Claire. That's brilliant. So you you've done amazing work and you're you're like me. We're we're larger than life. What motivates you? Why do you why do you, why are you doing all this? Oh, it's such a good question, isn't it? Because I've just sold my physio practice and it was such a big thing. It was it was stressful. It was very stressful running a big practice with 17 staff. Um, um, and yet so wonderful at the same time, because I worked with so many fabulous, fabulous. I mean, you know, Westminster Physio was the product of the people that worked there. So I'm in another phase. Um, but I have such a knowledge cleaned by people and medicine, good medicine, that I feel it is in me that I have to impart it in whichever guise I can. Um, And I feel passionately about that because I've just watched such extraordinary changes in people. I, I, I mean, miracle miracles have occurred in people that I have come across and who doesn't want the miracle and that's nothing that I have done and often I've been called a healer which is very lovely to be told that but listen I'm not the healer I happen to educate people we had a connection they took it on board they made the changes and they reaped the benefits I can do nothing to someone without them doing it. So it is not about, and therefore everyone should really remember that there is no doctor, physio, brilliant scientist out there who's ever going to have all the answers for the individuals. We get one life. Let's see what we can do for ourselves and absolutely seek help. That's what we're for, aren't we? We're there to allay fears, Joyce. What we can't bear is anyone in the medical profession fear-mongering. It is, the, it is absolutely mm. the worst thing anyone can ever do as a professional. Let's not even talk health professional. As a professional, human beings, fear is the worst emotion because it limits life. Whereas I have watched the most extraordinary people. Well, they're not superhuman. They're just people who have taken education on, looked at themselves, decide what they need to change. They've brought about the change and they reap the benefits. That's what motivates me because I've seen it over and over and over again that some people would say were miracles. That's the human (laughs) nature. That's the ability I love it. of a human I love it. Now, to be able to achieve that. <laughs> we can. Claire, what makes you happy and where is your happy place? Oh, God, so much makes me happy. <laughs> um, well, my happy place, oh, and again, I've, you know what I'm going to say. Um, I, I have to say it is in the Eastbourne Sea cold water the sea it gives me a childish joy it gives me awe um 
I will only, I will have a caveat, it is only suitable for some people. So many people think, oh my God, I'd like a bit of that. It's not suitable for everybody. And also, you know, cardiac disease, it's not, it's something you have to be very careful of. With the whole craze, there have been, there have been deaths of people thinking, oh, I want that. And they've gone it and it's not been good. So, you know, again, this comes back to body intuition, doesn't it? But being in the sea um, really makes me happy. And I think that's a connection with my dad because we used to swim together. Uh, he was in the army. And so we were based out in Malta and we'd swim together. And then we used to holiday in the North Cornwall coast. And then we go to the Mull uh, every year. And it's freezing up there. But oh my goodness, the benefits are so extraordinary. So it just gives me girlish joy. Um what makes me happy? Dancing, um, oh, a glass of champagne <laughs> with my family and good friends. I'm afraid it is just my, it just is my most gorgeous thing. If I can just have a glass of champagne, well, or two. Um, I love that. You know, it just, it, that sets the scene, doesn't it, for a lovely evening. Um, so many things, but community that gives me great joy and my patients have given me great joy great happiness um so and life makes me happy and being postmenopausal <laughs> i care i agree with you on every one of those and my friends will tell you I don't drink much alcohol, so if I'm going to drink something, I really want it to be a glass of champagne. And I have since I was 18. Oh, when I was oh, 18, I said, to... I'm up. <laughs> Give me the glass of champagne. <laughs> oh, God. So we'll have to have a glass a of champagne too. The... We're going to have to go swimming Absolutely. and have a glass of champagne afterwards. <laughs> Oh, I'll bring, I'll bring some nice, I'd love uh, that. Or something. Now, the last question, last question, Brilliant. what advice would you give your younger self with wonderful <gasps> hindsight? Oh, do you know, um, that's a very good, I think, I think, I think my youth, I was quite joyful, but I, I would say to my, you know, adult self, um, don't take life so seriously. I think I did take life quite serious because I was quite ambitious and, um, you know, I've worked very hard. And working hard takes a lot out of you, actually, doesn't it? And the people around. So I would I would say laugh more. Should have laughed more. And the other thing is I think it would be as a woman to have been better educated, actually, about all the different phases of my life. Menstrual health. I think that would be such an amazing thing to offer women, to really have that off pat so that you really understand. Because I genuinely think we could limit so many ailments and distress in people if we had better um with better knowledge better education yeah 
I'm working on that. <laughs> so that's very good. I know you are. Very hard. I... Very hard. <laughs> we'll try and we'll try and crack that. Well, Claire, thank you so much. It's been absolutely wonderful. And if yeah. anyone's listening to this and they're sitting down, please can they stand up? Please can they put some music on, dance around their kitchen like you just don't care and make sure you keep moving think about your you know what's right for you not what's right for anybody else and yeah that was so wonderfully educational Claire and you've given so many great hints so coming up to Christmas I don't want people to sit all day inside eating Mm. drinking you know get out there go for the walk everything in moderation and and listen to Claire's wise, wise mm. words. Mm. Thank you so much mm. for coming on the podcast, Claire. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much, Joyce, for having me on. Thank you.